You're listening to a River Life Fellowship message. We hope this message encourages you and enriches your life. For more information about us, visit us at riverlifefellowship.com. Y'all ought to bring him back. <laughs> we like that, Jason. Yeah. That was really good. It, it was not only good, you know, musically, but the heart. Yeah, the heart, you know, was being expressed. That's that's awesome. Um, thank you, Lord. So, I don't know. Uh, we're going to do something just a little bit different this morning. Um, we had uh, Ronnie and Andrea's wedding this weekend, and so we were involved in that. Um, but I really felt like the Lord was really speaking to me through that whole wedding, the whole whole process. And um, so I feel like I want us to be able to, I want us to, be able to try to communicate. Um, what I really believe is the heart of God for us this morning. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to have three people share something, okay? And then when we finish, we want to respond to the Lord. And so first, the first person I want to come out here and to begin this is John Arney. So, John, if you would come on up and give you the handheld and you to share. And then I'm going to share some scriptures after he finishes. And then Becky has some a couple of scriptures she's going to share. So, uh, before I start, baptism is not for if you haven't just been baptized or before. If you've been baptized as a baby, I'm sure the Lord would welcome you to volunteer yourself to recommit yourself to Him. And maybe you were backslidden a little and you want to recommit yourself. So, just thought food for thought there. Um, for the last couple of years. Something's been gnawing away at, at my heart, and it's uh, it's been bothering me so much that it it finally exploded inside me. And I went to Byron and said, I, "I've got to say something. I've got to stand up." But if you haven't noticed, there's an attack on Christianity in this country, and it's eating it away, and nobody's doing a thing. Our textbooks in this country tell us that the pilgrims came and settled Virginia because they just wanted to open a new country, wanted to be the first people to colonize that place. No, they didn't. They wanted to bring Christ to America. And they wrote letters saying that. But that's not in the history books. Christopher Columbus came to seek gold. Wrong. Christopher Columbus Columbus wrote a letter stating that he felt that he had to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to the new world. And he also said in his letter that it was prophesied in Isaiah that he was to do that and that the Lord called him to do it. That's not in history books. You know, the Washington Monument has some scriptures up in the top of it. You don't hear that very often either. You notice that they're taking Jesus out of everything now. Uh, the beginning of our country, the Bible was a textbook. My, how far we've come. We prayed before we started school each day. 
My, how far we've come. President, President Washington went to church in the largest congregation in the world, in the U.S. Capitol building. My, how far we've come. President Washington declared a national day of prayer and fasting. My, how far we've come. Nativity scenes have been taken away from us. Displays of the cross. Even the city of Los Angeles can't have a little cross representing the settling of California by the Christians. Ten Commandments taken out of public display. Our country was founded on those. That was the moral laws that built this country. In God we trust. Challenged. One nation under God. They stopped it the first time, but he's got a new one. He's coming back now, and he's going to try again. Why is this happening? What, what, do you know that in America today, there are 60 million Christians who say they go to church every week and read the Bible at least once a week and pray? 60 million! If those people would all vote, they could get anything done in this country they want to. I heard somebody say the other day, if I want to destroy a society, I'd give them everything. They'll eat themselves up. That's what we're doing. Come on, folks. We've got to stand up. We've got to do something. It's increased. It was below the radar before. It's not anymore. We have, the church has become so complacent and not doing anything that they're just playing out in the open now doing whatever they wish because we won't do anything back. There's a bill in the UN right now that virtually bans Christianity in America. This thing is just steamrolling. Just steamrolling. And I say to myself, why... These people we elect and send to, to Washington, they're family people. They've got to have some values. They've got to want to protect their families. They don't. There's something wrong there. And this isn't a political statement. If you go to the website, you'll see it yourself. John Edwards has voted against every single measure that the church has backed. Every single one, right down the list. I've printed up some sheets here. There's a couple of websites. One of them is for uh, Moral Clarity, which is a real good one. The WMIT is on there also. I also have the phone number for the U.S. Senate offices. You can call your senator. Do something, folks, please. Let's get up and do something, because it's going to affect you. They're going to start debating this one-sex marriage tomorrow. And they announced on the Christian radio this morning, if it was voted on right now, it will not pass. They'll allow this homosexual marriages to go on. We've got to stop. It's just the start. Don't you realize we let this one go? Then it's going to be, what, what's to stop? Two women and a man. Two men and a woman. A man with ten wives. What's going to stop it? It's going to affect your families, your grandkids, or something someday. You've got to stop it. Please, do something.
Why don't you pass those out? Um, the reason I felt like it was the Lord is when I was at Ronnie's wedding and they showed a video of their, you know, kids growing up and and I really felt the Lord speaking to me about how important families are and um, just how if if our families are destroyed it really will it really will destroy us as a nation and I believe our nation really is in, in big trouble Jack Hayford recently the Lord woke him up in the middle of the night and told him that we are in much greater trouble than we realize. And he shared that in an article in a Ministries Today magazine. Francis Frenchpain um, sent out a newsletter recently about the same issue that we are, it is really a time for warfare. And it's a time for the church to rise up and, and wage war. Now, I'm not, never one of the, you know, politically inclined people. Um, but I do believe, you know, what John was saying is we need to vote. We need to, we need to do these, you know, get on these websites and, and make these responses. Um, we do need to act. Um, let me read, let me just read a verse, a couple of verses out of First Timothy chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And that's really what's going on, is, is many of our leaders and much of the church, really, much of the church is giving heed to doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. There's a deception out there. Uh, it goes on, it says, Speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, and then it says, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. I think one, con one conclusion that you could really see happening with this whole thing of, of homosexual marriages is if, if, we are, if we're successful to stop it, they really may come a day where they, where it is, they will try to force a law where if we can't marry then heterosexuals can't marry. We're, now, the Bible's talking about, in the last days, a scenario where they're forbidding to marry. You know, in other words, if two men can't marry or two women can't get married or three or, you know, whatever the scenario, like John was, was bringing up, there could be a scenario where nobody can get married. So here's a nation uh, that lives in total uh, fornication. Every child born, you know, in fornication. Um, you know, that would bring such, you know, it would bring, oh, you know, destruction. I'm not saying that's how it's going to work. I'm just saying that's a possible situation that could happen in our nation down the road. And, and, and John was saying our children, our grandchildren could be affected by these things. And, you know, really it's, it's sort of, you know, the old story is our watch. You know, God has placed us uh, now at such a time as this. Now, let me read um, a little bit out of the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem after they'd been torn down. And Nehemiah was sent there by the Lord to build these walls, physical walls, around this, around this city of Jerusalem because in those days 
you know, an unwalled city was, was a, a, a destroyed city, a beat down city. They were subject to anything. And so today we have these spiritual walls that have been slowly but surely being broken down all around us, around our nation. And, and it, I'm telling you, it really is going to affect us. What's happening in this country is going to affect us. It really is. The walls of protection that have been on this nation. And we all have to admit, we have been a blessed nation. We have been protected. You know what I'm saying? And of all the years, you know, we've had one attack from a foreigner in, in recent history that, you know, with the, tent, the Twin Towers. Uh, it could be that, that our walls are being torn down and we don't even know it. And we could be subject to the enemy. But in Nehemiah's day, he came back to rebuild those walls. And he was... Uh, the enemy came after him hard to try to stop him from rebuilding the walls. And one of the things the enemy tried to do, is, let me just read this in Nehemiah 4, uh, starting in verse 7. It says, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to, to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. And I think that's just like some clear instruction from the Word of what we really need to be doing in this nation today, what Christians need to be doing, is we need to be praying. And, and, you know, we need to do these websites, but we des desperately, there's a call to real prayer right now, I believe. Real prayer. Not just having a prayer meeting and trying to have some program. I'm talking about really crying out to God, you know, for what's really happening. And, and setting up a watch is that we need to be paying attention. We need to pay attention to what our congressmen are doing. We need to be aware of what decisions are being made or what bills are being put forth. I mean, those are just some very practical things that we can do. But then it says, Then Judah said in verse 10, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. In other words, the people were getting discouraged. And if you could say anything about the church in America, it is a very discouraged church. A very discouraged church. Uh, you know, we are not the church, you know, that the Bible describes on any level. And, and, and it says, Judah, these were, these were uh, you know, the people of God saying that. They were just saying, man, we're just, we're failing. And we've heard that message. Uh, and our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. You get that? They will n neither know or, nor see anything. See, all these things that are happening to us are subtle. They're subtle things. You don't, they're not touching you because they're not touching you personally right this moment. They're not affecting you personally right this moment. You see what I'm saying? But those things are happening to us. We are just not, they're not affecting us personally, so we just keep going on like everything's normal. And what was being said here, no, we can't keep going this way. We can't keep going like everything is normal. Uh, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them that they told us ten times. Now, they, this, they were telling the Jews, the people, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. In other words, they were just really just saying, oh, no, we're going to get you, you know, and really we've got to see 
that there is something going on that's spiritual and that's diabolical. And it's not only coming against our country as a nation, but it's a spiritual battle. And ultimately, it is ultimately the battle of this. is There is a war against Christianity and against the kingdom of God. There really is. There is a real war going on. And there really is an assault against. And you being a Christian, whether you're a nominal Christian or whatever you are, but you're a part of a church, you are a target. You will be, you know, you are in this war whether you want to be or not if you're a Christian. Whether you like it or not, you're in a war. When you, you know, accepted Christ, you put a target around you for the enemy to get you. And he is going to get you one way or the other if, if we allow him. And then Nehemiah says, Therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families. You get that? I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows, which would really speak of our, our spiritual gifts, our callings. You know, that God is really calling. God has a heart for families, but He's not got a heart for families just just to be, you know, families to ourselves. You know? He said, I'm calling you as families to rise up. I'm calling you as families to rise up. Take your weapons of warfare and begin to use them. I mean, that's this word. Well, Nehemiah went to the family and said, "Hey, you know, the Murdoch family, you guys are gifted to prophesy. You guys are gifted to intercede. Get up and start doing it. You know, you know, the Bollinger family, you guys are, are called to pastor. You guys are called to encourage to administrate. Get up and start doing. Do the thing as a family that God's called you to do. You know, the the Mosleys, God's called you to worship and to do music. Get up and do them. I mean, this is reality. We've got to do these things." Are you with me? Uh, and, and then it's verse 14. This is Nehemiah. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, you know, these are the, the people in charge, to the leaders and to the rest of the people, all of them. He says, do not be afraid of them. You see, we don't need to be afraid of them. Okay? Remember the Lord. That's the first thing we've got to do is remember the Lord, great and awesome. In other words, the Lord wants to fight the battle. But the Lord needs us to fight this battle. The Lord, that's the way God works in the earth today. He works through His body, the church, His people. He humbled Himself and submitted Himself to that plan where He wants to use individuals and, and the people to do the things that God wants us to do. Therefore, if you have a calling to be in politics, that's a great calling. Go for it. Be a politician and be one for God. If you have a calling to be a businessman, be a businessman for God. You know? If you have a calling to be a preacher, be a preacher for God. You know, but that's the only way God's going to get anything done. If He needs you and I, He has chosen to do it that way. And if we sit back and do nothing, then nothing will get done. And God will say to us, you know... Mooresville was yours. What did you do? Did nothing. Then he goes on and says, Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And, fight. and then he says, Fight for your brethren. Now he's telling them, he says, You've got to fight for this thing. You've got to fight for the body of Christ in the earth. You've got, to, got to fight for the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. You've got to fight. This is a time to fight. That was uh, the thing that, that I got from Frangipane was that... Uh, he says, it's time to throw off oppression and passivity and stand for your nation. 
He said, it is a time of war. That was Francis Frangipane saying that. And then Jack Hayward saying the same thing. We are in great trouble. We've got to rise up against these enemies that are rising against us. Now, these are two you know, national uh, leaders in the body of Christ at large that are not just saying stuff just to you know, hear themselves say stuff. They really are fervent about this thing that they're saying. Um, and, and then it, he goes on and says, uh, Remember, fight for your brethren. Then he says, fight for your sons. You know, your children, okay? Your daughters, your wives, and your houses. In other words, Nehemiah was saying, all these things are at stake in this battle. And it really is, all these things are at stake. Our wives, our children, our daughters, our sons, the brethren and the Lord that you love and you care about. Those things are being threatened whether we realize it or not. And John gave us some practical things. He hands out. These are some practical things we need to do. We must do these practical things. But we've got to also begin to wage war spiritually. We've got to be, begin to wage war, you know, you know in, the, in the spirit realm. Um, I wanted to read Nehemiah 3, verse 5. Um, the, Nehemiah 3, verse 5 is a very interesting chapter in the book of Nehemiah because it's a list. <laughs> you know, if you ever try to teach through a book and then you get through a, to a, through a chapter like that, you think, oh my gosh, what am I going to say about this? I mean, this is, I mean, you know, it's next to them, next to them, next to them. That's the big word in there. And just listen to all the people who worked on the wall. That was what it was. It was a list of all the people, the families, the, the, the priests, the, the, the people. It talks about businessmen. It talks about... Uh, politicians. It talks about, you know, different families that worked on the wall. It went through this list. But also, guess what it talk, talked about? Verse 5. It says, next, next to them, the Tekoahites made repairs. But, Nehemiah, God, wanting something to be recorded in the Word, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. Their nobles. Their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. In other words, you got this grand list. You got girls in there. And people don't believe in women in ministry. It talks about the daughters of these people doing it. So you, you know, even in the Old Testament, everybody claims you know women are supposed, not supposed to do ministry. Big lie. They are. They were in here. You know, pointed out by God what they were doing. Also in here, pointed out people who didn't, who didn't put their shoulder to the work. And I wanted Becky to read some scriptures. She felt the Lord speaking to her concerning, concerning this. And then, you know, I guess kind of a couple of things. I wanted to read from Frangipane's article and then you know, see what the Lord says. You know, it's, um, I feel like the Lord really is speaking this morning. Just feel like um, even from the worship, I felt like when Dave began to really sing, I will not forget you, you are my God, my King. And we began to repeat that over and over, and you could just feel the Lord began coming in on that. And it was like a determination rising up in our hearts saying, Lord, many men will drink the rain and turn and thank the clouds. And many men will hear you speak, but they'll never turn around. But I will not forget you because you are God and you are King, and I'm determined to serve you and not forget you like many do. And I just feel like the Lord is 
really been speaking that in this season. I've really, I think a few weeks ago, I shared with you this thing about um, being separated to the Lord. And, um, you know, this thing of the Lord really being sanctified in our hearts. That God is really calling these people to do that right now. And so I just really wanted to say that I feel like all that's going on this morning is really like a theme of the Holy Spirit here. And to really just put your ears on and really and ask the Lord to really speak to your hearts. And um, the thing the Lord had been speaking to me this week, and this was honestly, Byron and I just put this together this morning before church. It was like it all fit when I'd been sharing some of the things God had been doing in my heart. And and it was really through two different parables, and it's Matthew... Um, first parable was... I'm okay. The parable of the wedding feast, and I'm not going to read all the way through it, but in the parable of the wedding feast, Jesus is telling this parable um, that... I'm just going to read through portions of it. This is Matthew 22, 1 through 5. It says, And again, Jesus spoke to them in a parable. And this was a story really to explain the kingdom of God. I believe the parables, if we were really tuned into them and really see what the Lord was saying in these stories, we will really see how the kingdom is meant to function. And he gave us these stories to help us get a picture in our mind. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son and sent his servants to summon those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they refused to come. And again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, Behold, I prepared my banquet. My bullocks and my fat calves are killed, and everything's prepared. Come to the wedding feast. But they were not concerned and paid no attention they ignored and made light of the summons, treating it with contempt. And here's what I felt like the Lord dropped into my spirit. They went away, one to his own farm and another to his own business. And the story continues on, but this is just really what I really felt. One of our greatest deterrents in the kingdom of God this day is because I believe the church is consumed with its own people in church, not the church itself. The church is doing everything it can to promote the kingdom. But people in the church are so distracted by their own businesses, their own farms, their own children, their own, their own, their own, that the kingdom suffers. And I really felt like that, Lord, help us. Help us to seek the kingdom first. That is really what we are meant to do to first seek His kingdom. And everything else in our lives really will be added. God has promised He will take care of everything else if we'll just put His kingdom first. I read some really disturbing statistics in ministries today about the church that only 7% of church members tithe. That is alarming to me. I, I was really blessed because I was thinking about our congregation. I believe we are way over that. But it just alarmed me because the article said what I've really said here. If the church just simply did one thing as an act of really having a heart toward the kingdom, if just simply, you know, just uh, tithing, if we simply all tithe, there'd be no lack. And this article said the same thing. There would not be any lack 
for anything we ever needed to do for foreign missions, for local missions, there would never be a lack. But yet we have in the church, this shows where we are. It really shows. It shows why we're not going to the polls. It shows why we're not really making stands because we're too busy and consuming upon ourselves what God has given us. And the second parable the Lord gave me was the parable of the virgins, of the wise virgins, and that's the 24th or the uh, 25th chapter of Matthew. And this parable, for some reason, really has always stood out to me. Um, there's just it is a parable for the last days, and I I know we all believe we are in the last days, but somehow this lethargy is on us. We don't really act like we're in the last days. We don't really uh, respond. I mean, there's so much lethargy on the church. And this parable caught me this week um, to really speak to that. Uh, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps. Now, this parable came right after, um, right after Christ was talking about what would be happening in the last days. So just keep that in mind. This parable comes right after as a picture of what would be going on. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And when the foolish took their lamps and they did not take any extra oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil along with them also with their lamps. And while the bridegroom, bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming, they all began nodding their heads and they fell asleep. And at midnight there was a shout a surprise. And behold, the bridegroom, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and put their own lamps in order. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, There will not be enough for us and for you. Go instead to the dealers and buy for yourself. But while they were going away to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were prepared went in with him to the marriage feast. There we have the wedding again. And the door was shut. And later the other virgins also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. But he replied, and this, this is what caught me, I solemnly declare to you, I don't know you, I'm not acquainted with you. Watch therefore and give strict attention and be cautious and active. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. And the word active there caught my eye. I really feel like that really, that is the passivity that is on the church, is the lack of being active in the kingdom. And I had never really equated that with the foolish virgins. That really, could it be that that was part of the lack of the oil in their lamp was the lack of being active in the kingdom of God. And so I just wanted to, that's really what I felt like was on my heart this morning, was let's, let's ask the Lord to take this lethargy off of us. The one thing that French Payne, <clears throat> he wrote a newsletter, and in his newsletter he calls this thing a spirit of passivity that has come on the church. And he used King David as an example of a man after God's heart and how King David started out and fought, fought Goliath, showed Goliath down, you know, beat him, took his head off. Uh, you know, when it was time to fight, he fought. But later in life, 
it was a, another time for King David to fight. And he didn't. He didn't go out and fight. The Bible says that. In fact, I was reading it last night, you know, even not even thinking about all this. It's just where I was my normal reading in the Scripture. Second Samuel 11. And uh, let me just read what... Let me just read from Frangipane as part of his newsletter. It says, This study about David also provides an example for us of what happens to good people when a passive spirit immobilizes their will. And I want to say something to you this morning. There's people in this room, many people in this room that I believe are under the influence of a passive spirit. Now, that's what I'm really going after today, is this passive spirit that's on you and I. And I believe many of you are affected by this. Okay? So I'm just going to just get that out on the table right now. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. All right? Uh, there was an occasion when David did not pursue his enemies. In fact, he allowed a passive spirit to subdue his will. Then it happened, I'm quoting from the description, in the spring at the times when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. David stayed at rest during a time of war. You got that? David stayed. Now hear, hear what we're saying to you. We're in a time of war. It's a time of war. We're in spiritual war right now. And if we're going to sit back and not be what Becky said, active, the opposite of active is inactive, being at rest. Okay? The king accepted a passive spirit into his soul. Some of you got passive spirits operating in your, the soul of yourself. Okay? Soon we find the great warrior king almost helpless to resist the unfolding spiritual attack. And it goes on and describes how David, sitting at home, looks out the window, Bathsheba, everybody knows the story, knows the outcome of the story, how David fell prey into that. And Frangipane's concept on this thing was there was a bigger thing happening. You know, it wasn't just happenstance that Bathsheba happened to be there. She was under the influence of this spirit. And, you know, put this spirit, you know, her and him, you know, you've got a bad situation going on. And that doesn't mean people in here that are under the operation of a passive spirit or, or fornicating or committing adultery, which probably some of you are or have. I'm, I'm sure you have. In fact, I know you have. I, I know about some of it. Some of you came real close to that. And God had mercy on you. And delivered you from it. And you need to know that was God's mercy. But next time, He may not be so merciful. He may let you, you know, do something that's going to cause great sorrow in your life. And that's a word for some of us who are dabbling in things we shouldn't be dabbling in. But, um, see, there's a, it's, it's spiritual. You hear me? It, it's spiritual. There's, a, there's, there's something spiritual on us. That's keeping us from rising up and realizing uh, what's happening. Those virgins, they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. They were inactive virgins. And, and Jesus had an, a rebuke for them. Now, I am not here today to tell you what you should be doing. Okay? I'm here to say, you know, yes, I do believe John has given us some practical things, you know, that we need to send emails to these people, call these guys, tell them we're not in agreement with this. 
we're not going to stand for this. I think you should be voting. I mean, I believe all that. I mean, those are just things that we should do. I mean, it doesn't take an idiot to figure those things out. Uh, but I'm not here to tell you, you know, what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Um, but I am telling you that we're in a war. God is crying out to His people, trying to awaken us and trying to get us out from under the influence of this passive spirit that has settled down in the church. And um, one of the Francis says, when that spirit gets a hold of you, your weaknesses, the things that, you know, your flesh tendencies, you know, your old correlation that will try to rise back up again, it knows them. And those things, opportunity is given. Uh, he says, Beloved, we are in a time of war. The Spirit of God is calling us to fight for our families. Again, agreeing with me and my families, our cities and nations. Indeed, God's Word reveals the Lord will go... This is Isaiah 42, 13. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse His zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, He will raise a war cry. He will prevail against His enemies. The Lord will. Uh, and then this is Frangipane again. And that... Is that fight in you? Now, that's the question. Is that fight in you? Uh, is there a war cry in your spirit? He's asking a question. Uh, then he goes on and answers. If you are born again, that, that cry is within you. And I totally agree. That cry is within you because that is the spirit and he's got that, that battle in him. Even if it has been muted by lethargy, the lethargy of the passive spirit. Now, that's where your issue is. It's some of us, are that war, that thing in us has been muted. It's been shut down in us. And we've got to rise up against that thing. We've got to fight against it. I'm not talking about getting active in church, doing this. I'm talking about rising up against a spirit that's destroying us and destroying our land. Now, that's what I'm talking about this morning. Destroying our families where we won't be able to do the videos and show the memories of the kids growing up. Like, you know, they were showing the kids little growing up through life and different wonderful scenes. Scenes that are precious in God's eyes. Amen. The enemy's after those things. He really is. The enemy's after the body of Christ. Amen. He's after those things. And we really need to wake up. We really need to go after that Spirit and really get it broken off of us. Get it out of us. Rise up and you know, let the Spirit of God in you, that, that war cry in you. Yes, let me say this. We are, you know, as God's children, we are a family. We really are, but we're also an army. The Bible, you know, this is interesting, the, the term in the Old Testament, the Lord of hosts, which literally means the Lord of the armies, that word is used to describe God probably, I think... I'm not exactly sure how many times, but probably ten times more than any other name of God in the Bible. God sees Himself as a warrior. That's how, when He says the Lord of hosts, He's talking about a fight. And we're in a fight. And I think our first fight is inside of us, is to deal with this passive spirit. And that's what I want to go after this morning. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is identifying, that we need to deal with this passive spirit and let the Spirit of God that's in us rise up within us and we will know what to do when He rises up in us because He will reveal it to us. He will show you the thing that's personal to you that you should do. It's not a matter of following some formula or rules. It's letting the Holy Spirit that's in you rise up and letting this other spirit be, in, be destroyed off in you and broken off in you. 
Because it is a work of the Spirit. It's not a work of our flesh. <laughs> you know, let's don't do that. That won't work. We know that. Amen? Yes, you may. As soon as she finishes sharing this, we're going we're gonna to have a time of prayer. And one of the things I really want to do is pray for the president. I really do want to pray for the president. I mean, we've got to pray for him. So. Um, Victoria and I were at a conference this weekend, and every speaker there said exactly what Bonnie, Bonnie Mahashavda, Bobby Connor, um, this guy Bill Johnson. I mean, it's, it's like you were there, and you're just repeating it. And last night, Bobby Connor was speaking. He's this prophetic, really prophetic guy, if you don't know who he is. And he saw the Lord putting spears in all of our hands, and he says, I don't know what that means, but the Lord's putting spears in our hands. And when you started talking, I just started looking up spears in the Bible. And there's this verse in Joel um, calling the nations to war. And I felt like we were just supposed to pray this prayer over us today. And um, before, and if you're okay with that, I'll do it. But um, Or maybe you're supposed to do it. The, just a couple of things. It's Joel 3, 9 through 16. Um, it talks about beating your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and that's what Becky was talking about about the things we make a living on and, and the, the, you know our jobs and, and focusing more on the war aspect and also um, he mentions this valley of Jehoshaphat and I don't really know what that is but I looked up Jehoshaphat in the Bible just now and the only thing I could men- see a mention of a valley was where he was going against Moab and Elisha prophesied that this valley will fill up with water mm-hmm. and the Moabites will see it and they saw it and they thought it was blood and they, they said, great, they're already dead, let's go plunder them and then the Israelites rose up and defeated them and to me that speaks of the miraculous um, and this speaks of the harvest, you know and can I just pray this? Let, or do you want to pray yeah, it? Yeah, let me pray it. Yeah. Um, that's good. Um, that, that really is you know, that we really do need to beat our plowshare. And that's interesting how she saw that as being your plowshare's way of making a living. That's actually a way of waging war. Okay? You know, just... I think that's really important. So, yeah. Chuck's all... Chuck has something to share, too. <laughs> I forgot um, about him. I'm sorry. Um... The Lord woke me up this morning and uh, said that, um, and I had to have a word with my wife about this, um, and he showed me who to bring up to pray for certain things. And uh, Janet, my wife, her parents aren't doing good, and she's afraid right now, okay? Uh, Terry Manning, you're shaking your head, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And she's consulting with the spirit of fear. You understand that? When you get afraid about things, you start consulting. You don't realize it, but you start doing things because you're afraid. If you don't do certain things, you understand where I'm at? Have you ever done that? She was she needed to go to uh, Columbia, South Carolina to this thing, and she just about didn't get in the car to go because she was afraid her mom and daddy would be mad at her. You know, one's in the nursing home and one's not doing any better. I said, you get in that car and you go have a good time. You know, and it was hard for her to hear. And she stayed up all night. But he was, the Lord said, many of us are afraid of things and fear has captured our hearts. And we don't realize it, but we're consulting with that fear. 
and we're getting our counsel from the fear. Do you understand that? And uh, and Janet was getting her counsel from the fear. Don't you go do that. Don't you go to Columbia because your mom and daddy's going to need you. You know, you understand that? You understand where that was happening? And, and, and the other thing was, as the Lord said, we get angry and we start counseling with anger. Now, how many's done that? You know, somebody makes you mad and you just say, I'm mad and I'm going to get that person. And he said, don't counsel with... And see, those two things make you get out of the ball game just like what Byron was saying. This other thing makes you get out of the ball game and you don't go to war, you know, because you start counseling with fear and you start counseling with anger and you wonder why anger would take you out of war, but what it does is it brings disunity. And that's one thing we fought with in the church for centuries is disunity. And how many new denominations have started? Uh, I can take you to Hickory, and the same denomination is on here on this corner and this corner and this corner. I mean, you could take a rock and hit all three of those churches and they all started out of this one church with disunity. And they went over and dug up their dead and took them over and buried them in the other place. Uh, that's, how dis- uh, that's how angry they were. Uh, well, I ain't doing that. <laughs> you dead, you stay in there. <laughs> there are certain people that the Lord showed me that He wanted to pray. And if, if you've had fear, if you've wrestled with fear, then you need to be prayed for, okay? If you've wrestled with anger, you need to pray for, and then we need to pray, we need to pray for wisdom, okay? And, I, and I, Don Casperson was one that the Lord showed me that he wanted to lay hand. God wanted you to lay hands on people for wisdom, okay? And uh, and uh, Doug Murdoch, Addison. Nathan and Tom, Tommy Murph. Where are you, Tom? Uh, and and Michael. The Lord wanted them to pray for people that God was dealing with about fear. Okay, and um, anger. You pray for me, Chuck. Lord, I guess I just had to repent. <laughs> so I'm a good candidate to pray for you on the anger stuff. Go ahead. Okay, what we're going to do, we're going to do this in order. First of all, we want to deal with the passive spirit. Okay? That's the first thing we need to do. Is if you have a passive spirit, if you're passive in your heart, if you really have lost your fire in your heart and you just have sort of in place, quit in place, then we need to really break that thing off from you this morning. And I believe the Lord's given us authority to do that. And so I want people to just stand up right where you are if you feel like you're being affected by a passive spirit. Just stand right where you are. Except for Lisa and Dave, I'd like for you to come up here. And Is Jason still here? Would y'all come in here and play music? I mean, <laughs> we shall pray for you. Because we need to really just ask the Lord just to take this thing off from you. 
as they get ready. I'm going to pray, and this, and I'm believing the Lord's going to really do something in your life. Now, this is this ultimately is something personal between you and God, and it's going to have to be worked out between you and God. But I believe the Lord will really answer these prayers. Okay, and then I'm going to pray this prayer about you know that Ann gave this word. I think this is the Lord, and then these three guys or these three people are going to come up to deal with anger. You're dealing with anger. If you're dealing with lack of wisdom, let he, he who needs wisdom ask the Lord and He'll give it to you. And, and the fear. If you're just being driven by fear, scared this is going to happen, you know, we all fall into that from time. But if you really are being governed by that. So, Father, right now, Lord, we just come before You, Lord. We have no authority other than the authority You've given us, Lord. But we recognize, Lord, this passive spirit, this thing that has got into our souls and caused us, Lord, uh, to be, uh, when we're supposed to be at war, we're sitting at home. It's caused us to be like the foolish virgins, Lord. It's caused us to be like the people uh, in the Scripture where You invited them to a, a wedding feast and, and they wouldn't come because they were so focused on themselves, Lord Jesus, and their thing. Lord, we just come to You this morning and we want to make a recognition of those things in our heart, Father. We want to confess to You, Lord, Lord, that that's us. We identify with that, Lord. We say we're guilty, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we are repenting today. Lord, we are saying to You, we don't want to be that way anymore, Lord. We're saying that's our state, but we're coming to You and humbling ourselves to You. And that's where we're at, Lord. We come and we say we want to just humble ourselves to You and what You say and what You do, Lord. We will receive it, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we're asking that even though we have opened the door and allowed a passive spirit to take hold of us, Lord, Lord, we're asking You to take that Spirit out of our hearts, Lord. Remove that thing from us, Lord. Break it off, Lord, in Jesus' name. Break it off, Lord, and shut that door, Lord. Shut the door for us. Even though we have fallen, we have sinned, Lord. We're asking You now to forgive us, Lord. And Lord, we do truly turn from that thing, Lord. We turn from it, Lord. We turn from it, Lord. Lord, I believe right now, I just pray for convicting. The Holy Spirit, start convicting people. Show them where they've been passive. Lord, Lord, this is not, you know, this is not a work of the flesh, Lord. This is something that only You can do. And Lord, I pray right now in people's lives, even in the days to come, that they begin to see where they were passive, Lord. And see where You're calling to action. Lord, and all the wrong believing. Lord, we ask You to break it off right now. Lord. Right now, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Break it off, Lord. And Lord, we do want to do exactly what this Scripture says. We want to say, prepare for war. Wake up, mighty men. Wake up. Men of war, draw near. Come up, men of war. Beat your plowshares in the swords. Beat your plow. Use what God has given you. Use your business. Use your anointing. Use your authority. Use it. Use it. And your pruning hooks into spears. And those who are weak, say, I am strong. If you feel weak today, say to the Lord, I am strong in you, Jesus. I am strong in you, Jesus. I am strong in you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we ask you to assemble, Lord. Cause your mighty ones to go down to thee, O Lord. Lord, let the nations be awakened. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Lord, we ask you to sit and judge, Lord, and put the sickle in. And cause the harvest to come forth, Lord. Cause the harvest to come forth. Let the wine press be full. Let the bats overflow, Lord. Lord, we are asking you that. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of the fish. 
the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. If you're in a valley today, God is saying, I am near today. He really is. He's saying, I am near. I have been through one of the biggest trials in my life recently, but the Lord was near to me. And once I just humbled myself to Him, He, he spoke to me, drew me. Thank you, Lord. And as we worship, those of you who feel fear in your life, I want you to come up. Come up. Yeah, who can pray for them? Fear. Doug, get over here, Doug. Tommy, where are you? Those of you who have anger problems, we're going to let Chuck Moore pray for you. You have problems of anger. Those of you who just need wisdom in your life, you need God's wisdom. Don Catherine will pray the anointing of wisdom. Just come up and let the Lord touch you and help you this morning. We need help in church. If we can't find help in church, let's quit church. Let's go find a church we can find some help in. It's ridiculous to go to church and not find help. Let us be a place where people can find their God. The Lord has shown me something that connects these things together, this thing about passivity with fear and anger. And I know this from personal experience. Because of fear of confrontation, we grow passive. And we, we grow passive, then we grow angry because we didn't deal with the problem. So fear and passivity breed anger. So all these things tie together. The Lord wants you to be willing to be to face confrontation. You know, that's that's what I found in my life is I have to be the papa. I may not want to make my children angry, but sometimes I just have to be the papa. So uh, we need to be willing to face the confrontation, not be passive so we don't grow angry. Because that's where bitterness rises up. Good work. Amen. Uh, there is there is a spirit of passivity in Washington right now. There's so much confusion in the heavens that people don't know. People who are in government don't really know what to do. There is warfare between principalities in the world right now. There's a huge spirit of delusion in Europe as to what our country is, is about. But here in this country, there's, there's, there's conflict in the heavens in all kinds of directions right now. And the easiest thing for people who are in government to do right now is to be passive and let whatever goes on, goes on. So as we prayed for uh, the spirit of passivity to leave us, it would be good for us also to pray the same for those people who are in government. Amen.